0: Hello, and welcome to Eavesdropping Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today, we're continuing our brief investigation into the career of Michael Caine with The Italian Job. Which yes, you well, were saying you've seen a load of times, and you didn't want to see it again. What's the point? Are you now grateful that I dragged you to the electric to see The Italian Job on the big screen?
1: I had a good time mm-hmm. seeing it. I was also very fascinated by the audience. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It was all a middle-aged, middle-class mm-hmm. audience. Uh, and there was a, a lot of people at The Electric, you know, on a Thursday night at six. Yeah, so all of that interested me. I had a good time. I think my uh, mixed feelings about the film remained the same, mm-hmm. yeah? Kind of, there are moments that I enjoy very, very much. I can see why it's pleasurable ideologically, it's quite suspect in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, the British rah-rah business can get to one who isn't British. But it's a film I like very much. I thought it
0: was a cracking way to spend an evening. I mean, I had a really good time. So I basically sort of, I feel like I've seen every bit of the Italian job in my life. Although Mm. it turns out that's really not true. Everything Mm. really before the heist takes place, I'd only seen little bits of but it's it's a film that's constantly been on TV through my childhood. I've already pick, I've always picked up little bits and pieces. You know, I'm very familiar with the car chase in particular, the the actual heist. Um, but this is my first time seeing it through and seeing it on a nice big screen with an appreciative audience was fabulous. Mm. Um, I thought it was dead charming. It really made me. It's it's, it's complicated. you have already got at some of what's complicated about it but as an English person and I, and I say English because it made me feel English it didn't make me feel British mm. despite the fact it's not particularly like it's it's covered in Union Jackson stuff it's a British film but it made me feel very English in a kind of complicated way because it's a really Eurosceptic kind of film mm. you know it's a film that basically goes over to Italy our enemy in the war kind of 25 years prior to this and says, "Up yours! We're better. You know, we're going to drive on top of your buildings, on your test tracks, with our minis. It's full of British iconography, and motoring iconography especially. Minis, Jags, Astons, Land Rover, kind of beating Fiat out. You know, mm. which is and it's set up as um, the heist that is is set up as a deal with Fiat. Mm. You know, the, the Italians and the Chinese, um, and we're going to get in the middle of it and steal their gold, essentially. Mm. And so." You kind of recognise all this. It really reminded me of what you said when we talked about Doctor Strange two. Mm. When we were talking about like Captain Britain thing, mm. and I was saying what a tacky thing it is to see the British flag on things these days. Because um, you said you always thought of it as very cool, right? Yes. And this is the era you were talking about, yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Um, cool Britannia. Uh, um, uh, sorry, um swinging London. Yeah, swinging Fantasy London. Street. Austin yeah. Powers kind of era. <laughs> um, and you were saying, like, you should think of it in the same way that you think of the American flag. American iconography is... There's nothing complicated about American iconography. It's in your face, and it only really means one thing. Whereas what the British do with their iconography, with our iconography, is we put irony into it. So it kind of softens that pill, we were sort of saying. You know, it made you feel like... like you were talking about the um, uh, the parachute in James Bond that's mm. British flag. It's, like, it's funny and it's witty. Even though you should think of it as this imperialist thing, it kind of gets under your skin a little bit. It's more than that as well
1: because I think the film is flag-waving but it undercuts it also. Yeah. Right, you know, so so the guy who says these bloody foreigners, you know, he's one of these big fat slobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, arrogant English. Yeah, numbers. all of these, you know, the most patriotic people are the biggest crooks, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's like the, you know, so 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 the film is both waving the flag and kind of but well, both simultaneously poking fun at it and also building a kind of cohesion because, you know, one of the things it's saying is that this kind of British rah rah you know, which is represented by both Noel Coward, you know, the epitome of the establishment then, uh but also, you know, all of these all of these crooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and of various classes, right? The car drivers are all middle class, and yeah, yeah and so on. But but it's it's constantly being poked fun at, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, so I think it's a very interesting kind of um, use of it, really. Because I mean, there's no question that there is the the flag waving Johnny Foreigner is done during an Italian match, yeah. And there's more than that. There's the Benny Hill stuff, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because I laughed at every joke, you know. And each joke is like sexist, fattest, yeah, <laughs> yeah everything, right? <laughs> you know. Uh,
0: and there was something about like uh, because he, the joke isn't quite on him. That's the thing about it is it's partially on him. The joke, but the joke is that isn't it funny that this guy is into big women? But then the joke ultimately then says, well, he shouldn't be into big women, you know like that's the do you know what I mean like it makes a joke on him for being into something that we value as you know wrong to be into
1: yeah he's shown as being both a genius and simple (laughs) yeah yeah and part of his simpleness is that he's into fat women yeah so which of those elements are of their era which is the film being very clever with Would, would it work the same on me if it was gay jokes or something yeah mm. I, would i be so forgiving or you know so ignore the underside of it you know if it was kind of more, more pointed at me i don't know uh there is a character who's gay or at least coded as gay camp tony campetti camp, yeah. camp, what, sorry? campetti campetti right yeah who's wonderful yeah right so and i think this is the thing about the film yeah it's part of its inclusiveness mm. yeah that it includes all types of men, all classes, you know, and actually, you know, there's not a single redeemable woman in it, right? They're all <laughs> fleeing his bedroom like, you know, dolly birds or coming on to him or mm. in love with him or they're just the fat birds that, you know, sad, you know, simple Benny Hill is into, right?
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah? Yeah. So- there's also a very unredeemable racist joke in it when... He's going around the table introducing everyone, and he introduces the one black guy, and he's, was it? his name's Big Something. Oh yeah and, and he's, you know and why, he's, yeah, and he's big for obvious reasons, and that's just plain racist. There's nothing. There's nothing charming about that. Yeah, you know, like you, there is something still charming about so, the Benny Hill stuff. So you don't think he was referring to his height? I don't think so. You know, I mean, he is a big bloke, but I don't think that's what it was referring uh, to.
1: So um, those are the main reservations, which are interesting because actually, I suspect those reservations of mine are probably the reason why a certain part of the population in England love the film as much as they do. Mm. Yeah. Because of that raw, rawness and, you know, Mm. uh, uh, because of the sexist, you know, jokes and, you know, and what goes along with it. Yeah. Because I think also like, I mean the cars and so on, it need not be a part of it, but it kind of goes along with that kind of blokishness.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, laddishness. Yeah, lads
1: yeah. like Michael Caine says, lads. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah, on, lads. <laughs> yeah, you can see what kind of you can see the things that
0: were, that become in the nineties, kind of quite toxic in lad culture. Yes, and I suppose you could see them as toxic here, but maybe it's because they're they're just so much more dominant as part of the culture.
1: Yes, I think the film they, also has a very playful tone. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not meant to be taken seriously, and that kind of. Um, takes it quite a long way mm. um, I mean, I think the whole beginning with uh the Noel Coward stuff is genius, really, you know I mean him kind of leaving prison, insulting Noel Coward <laughs> you know I think Noel Coward is such an incredible performer i mean i 'm not sure he 's a good actor, you know, but he was <laughs> a leading star in the West End for seventy years uh at the time he did this, I think. Well, he became a star in 1919 or something. No, it's just the way that somebody who's not necessarily a great actor, because, you know, for me, a great actor is someone who conveys and makes you feel a great depth and range of emotion, often contradictory or simultaneous, yeah? Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, by that criteria, Noel Coward is not a, a, a great actor. But he's a great star, and he's a great performer, in the sense that everything he does has an effect and achieves the effect. Right, the wave of the hand. Yeah. Right, the way that he pronounces something and gets a laugh out of it.
0: Right, yeah. those are you know about achieving effects, and he's great. There's a certain, there's a broadness and a certain caricature to his theatricality. Character. I mean, well, and certainly when he gets into his room and it's plastered with pictures of the Queen. And, yeah, you know,
1: well, so that could be more a, a directorial joke. Yeah, a joke made by the filmmakers. Yeah,
0: but I think it relies on Noel Coward, like of he, course. Yeah,
1: and what he what he meant and means. Um, so I, you know, I thought, and actually I misremembered because, you know, he occupies that whole first third of the film. He has a much bigger role than I remembered. Yeah. I mean, I basically remember the toilet scene and not much else. Mm. Right. You know, whereas kind of, there's a lot more than that. There's the funeral scene and, you know, the, the looking at uh, the film and yeah, Mm. all of those things. So I didn't remember that. The other thing that I didn't remember Is that the film also stars two great Italian stars? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Rosano Brazzi. Yeah, who was in you know who for a brief moment was also a star in the U.S. He was the star of South Pacific, right, and um, the the Catherine Hepburn film Summertime, I think. Right, uh, set in Venice, and a lot of other Hollywood films of the nineteen fifties. Uh, and, of course, uh, Ralph Valone, yeah, mm-hmm. who was a great star of European cinema of the post-war period. He's the mafia guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rosanna Brazzi is the guy who gets killed at the very beginning, who shows up in the film explaining the heist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd completely forgotten you know, that uh, yeah. they were in
0: it. <laughs> the other thing about Noel Coward in the film is it's through his character that the heist is... Um, kind of contextualized as an international thing Mm. so like i said it's italy and china having this um, uh, business uh, relationship that i think we see on a paper is worth 140 million dollars and we're getting in the middle of it and taking this four million but it's all about british money british balance of payments it's really politically contextualized, economically contextualized in the context of the country and it's done through the presence of Noel Coward's character. It's his presence as this figure of the establishment, as we've said, you know, his relationship to the. I think he wasn't knighted at the time, but uh, but he was certainly seen as. He was
1: the establishment because he'd had hit after hit after hit after hit in the West End. Yeah. Yeah. Since the teens, the late teens, yeah. He was the Queen Mother's favourite composer, and, yeah. you know, a Noel Coward play was like the West End play that you put on top hat and tails to go see.
0: Yeah. You know, so, so the point my, my point is that through him it's it's important that it's through him that this is this is a heist that kind of we can all be proud of. You know, like these are criminals who we're on their side. It's a patriotic heist. Exactly, and it's for the good of the country and mm. the, you know the other kind of side of class is, is the working class in this and that's Michael Caine who that's kind of centred around his regional accent in particular. You, you know it's the decorations on his wall. He had like Private Eye magazine, which actually is kind of fairly middle to upper class, but it's it has this anti-establishment bent to it. It's all about poking fun. Yes, and um, you know the song "Self Preservation Society," mm. which is kind of it, it's like a take on all of those sorts of songs. I think it was original for the film, but it's a take on those kind of working class.
1: The film is interesting and it's of the fashion of the period because it is highlighting the working class Cockney element as you know leader of the thing under Noel Coward yeah you have to remember but on the other hand everyone else is under him and that includes a university professor and it includes all those upper class race car drivers right because I think the race car drivers are coded as upper class Mm. right Yeah, yeah so that's an interesting thing but the film is also kind of hierarchical so there's the Queen and <laughs> there's Noah Coward. Yeah. And then yes, you know, there's the Cockney, yeah, kind of uh uh running the, the rest of the show. But
0: Yeah. And despite the fact that they're a hierarchy, they're all they're all basically they're on the same team. Mm. Like we're all doing this for our country yes. and our queen and our economy. Yes. Um so it's not the working class versus the middle class versus the upper class. They're just operating together on different levels. Yes. Yeah.
1: Which is part of the appeal of the, of the thing, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, because it kind of it brings together a kind of unity. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure it would have a particular resonance now. I mean, you know, those shots when No Coward enters his cells, and you see all the pictures of the Queen, you think, this is a jubilee moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God, yeah, the jubilee, I forgot about that.
1: <gasps> have you ever seen the cover, you know, because No Coward was a huge success in Vegas in the 50s. Right. And he was such a success that they did a recording yeah, of his act. And a very, very famous uh, photograph of him in the desert, yeah, wearing a tux yeah, <laughs> yeah, and to. sipping a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. you know yeah. the Britishness that he signified. yeah,
0: Knoll of Arabia.
1: Well, Noel and Vegas being British.
0: But yeah, like Lawrence of Arabia went there and, you know, became part of it and took on the, 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 the outfit and so on and Noel went there and said, No, I'm wearing a tux. Yes. Well he was he was
1: one of those empire people yeah. you know that believed that he had a right to be at home anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well that's, and that's certainly the impression uh, I got as well with that fat English bloke that we mentioned where he but you know he comes over to Italy, asks for directions and then he's immediately pissed off with the answer and says, bloody foreigners. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wherever you go, it's supposed to be my country and these bloody foreigners are getting in the way. Yeah. sort of thing. Um, I was thinking, is it a great car chase? Um, when it Because I, I had a big smile on my face whenever the minis were on screen. Yes. And this is part of, like I said, what I was kind of getting feeling complicated about, like, you know, I know that all this iconography has toxic elements to it, but at the same time, I love to see this chase. I, you yeah. Know, Dan, it's, a bit, it's always been Well, I love seeing childhood. the film.
1: I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a complicated relationship here because yeah. I don't think it's a great film. No. Um, I don't think it's a great chase scene. No. You know, uh, but it's really enjoyable all the way through. And actually, why it's enjoyable is maybe something worth you know, kind of uh, yeah. discussing. But first, let's return to the car chase. Yeah, yeah
0: well, because it's segmented, right? This is why, like, if you think about the great car chases in Cinema, they have these through lines. You follow it the whole way. And the thing about this chase is you essentially... Like it makes no sense that these cars would be escaping this way, you know, hitting up every location in Italy just to drive on the roofs and mm. through the sewers and stuff. It doesn't make any sense, right? But they're doing it because they've gone, oh, we can drive through the sewers here. What a brilliant little scene mm. that will be. We can drive on the roof here. What a brilliant little scene that will be, right? So it's kind of it's cartoony and it's nonsensical, but it's absolutely joyous to see. You know, I mean, and that shot where the where they drive up on the roof. Um, not uh, I forget the name of the building. It's not the um, theatre Factory. It's where they go and hide in the corners. I know. Like you see that shot of the guy who follows them, looking around, like where could they be? And it's like, well, they're just on the roof. They're with you. You know, I how know. can you not see them?
1: But it... also, and also, it's it's a stupid, pointless. Yeah,
0: completely. Thing. I mean, I know, there's there's what the fuck are they doing on the roof? There's no way out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the bit where they go through the sewers, the story is that they wanted to um, have one of the cars do a complete loop. Mm. Of the sewer, and they kept trying, getting it went on the roof. But that's kind of that's what it is, right? We're driving down steps, doing this, that, and the other. It's all great fun, and part of it is is this is this thing of kind of refighting the war. You know, Italy was an enemy; they were part of the um Axis with Germany, and it's it's about kind of going over to Italy and proving that our cars are better than theirs, and we can go over there and give them one in the eye. But I think, I think the whole thing
1: with Europe is more complicated than that. So yeah. on the one hand, you have that. On the other hand, you know, why are you even in Italy in the first place? And why do you go through Switzerland and, so, and show this fantastic, gorgeous landscape and places and people eating and, you know, the pasta and the chicken that they steal? And so there is like this assertion of superiority. And at the same time, this kind of, like, a, you know, a longing for the continent, I feel,
0: that the film expresses in another way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's exciting to be globetrotting like those James Bond movies. Exactly. Always, right? You, you, it's lovely, fantastic to see stuff. And then maybe, there's, there's a couple of shots early on of architecture in London, which is horrible. 60s architecture, rebuilding after the mm. war and all this fucking disgusting stuff. And then you go over to Italy, and where are they staying? In a beautiful mansion, you know, mm. with the fucking Sistine Chapel on the ceiling, basically. <laughs> Even though when you get into the centre of town in uh, in Turin, you know, it's still actually just as horrible as London, really. But that's not what we're focusing on. You know, we're focusing on the beauty of the place, you know, where we yes. find it. And the beauty of those uh, those alpine roads.
1: Yes. You know. uh, and the mountains with the snow, and my God, you know. Yeah. I think there's a kind of. I think there's more. Um, To be said on that, or there's more of an ambivalence than just like, you know, we're better than Johnny Foreigner or we're reliving the war and winning, Mm. you know, because I mean, I think this is just before the the UK joined the common market, right? In the 73 or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's this dual thing where, yes, you know, we're better than you are. But on the other hand, you're kind of gorgeous as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I th- it's uh, that uh, thing uh, of like uh, uh, the uh, English uh. like to see <laughs> themselves as travellers. We travel the world, that's what we do. We go everywhere as if it's ours, mm. you know, as if we have the right to, you know, this and the other, and makes us special. And I think that's kind of what that feels like. That like, globe trotting stuff feels like that. Mm. You know, the world is our plaything. Mm. Yes, I mean, it definitely has that. I'm not, uh, I'm not denying that. Um, I, I also want to think about it um briefly in relation to get Carter which we saw the other day because it really puts into perspective the difference in the characters that Kane plays mm. the difference in his persona you know, his yes. star persona like that's this really puts in perspective the darkness because here it's pure caper pure cartoon yeah everything's made a joke of
1: yes and he's wonderful at doing the
0: comedy kane
1: yeah you see I mean I think he really is a great actor yeah kind of uh, even though
0: you said the other day don't like him
1: Ah, that's different. Okay. I mean, you know, I always distinguish between, you know, whether I like something or not and whether it's good. Well, um, you, know, yeah, I let, it's... you know, explain yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, to me, like, he is or he has been a star since Zulu, since 62, I my whole life.
0: 62,
1: mm. 64, I forget when Zulu was, something like that.
0: Is it 66
1: Zulu? No, I think it's earlier. Okay. Um, But, but look it up.
0: I, yeah. I'm just on the... No, 64 it Vile, 65, Alfie, 66.
1: Okay, so, you know, he's been a star since 64. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always, like, befuddled me a little bit why he's a star, mm. right? Because, well, he's not something, someone that I would particularly pay to go see. I mean, you know, he's often been in films that I like very much. Yeah, kind of Hannah and her sisters or whatever. But um, he's never been the main draw or the main point of appeal mm-hmm. or what I like best about any of those films, actually. Though it's interesting watching these British films, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah, because actually I think he does come across as, as a star in these films in a way that it hadn't really occurred to me before. Mm. So, you know, I don't think he's like... Uh, he's sexy, or to me he's not sexy, right? Um, he didn't have a defined star persona in America, right? In North America, which I grew up in Canada, right? obviously from the perspective of Britain, people imitate him because he's so easily imitable. Mm. But that's, you know, working class and accents, yeah, is really the way of speaking that kind of is the most imitable thing about him. That in itself doesn't constitute a persona, you know. Mm. Though, of course, I think if you look at this period, yes, Alfie, you know, the womanizing, Cockney,
0: Mm. yeah, so on, that does constitute uh, a persona. Um, it's all about his smile in this film uh, he's smiling all the time there's, a, there's quite a few close-ups where it's that cheeky grin and he's getting away with stuff and he's
1: he's very appealing yeah you know he's very appealing because also he does have an everyman quality because you know there's something and so the other day I was commenting on his height He's ex, he's extraordinarily tall mm. right but then this film is full of shots of him being awkward right so you know the way that his shoulders curve you know, the way that, like, a tall man tries to make himself shorter. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the awkward, he he's wearing, what are those basketball shoes, running shoes?
0: Like trainers, sneakers.
1: Yeah, he's wearing sneakers, but, you know, that basketball-type sneaker that you lace up quite high.
0: I, I, I'm not, I can't think of it. They were very trendy.
1: Anyway, you know, it's the kind of thing kids wear, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, and he has a very awkward walk, right, from behind, yeah? So I think kind of, you know, the film is full of, like, a kind of um, unease, uh, you know, mm. in, his, in his body, in his walk and so on. That kind of contrast, very interestingly, with, like, the sharp suits, yeah that, yeah. yeah that he wears. So, um, anyway, I find him very endearing and very funny and very good. His physicality
0: occurred to me because I, I thought the same in Get Cast about how big he is and how mm. the film... Shows itself, and it doesn't come across here. Mm. Physical size, he doesn't command scenes in that way. Um, although he does draw your eye every time. That's yeah, part of it. But, um, but I pointed out to you early on how so many shots, especially early on, are from waist height or below and looking up, and it's mm. that power, that hero kind of shot. And the, and they're all shots of him, you know, walking into rooms where all the women are and all that kind of stuff. And it's all about looking up to him. Um, I we, thought that was more about
1: looking up to them. To the well, very, uh, you know,
0: well in that in that particular shot, I think, the, you know, yes. and, and the wide frame, you know, captured every single one of them um, mm. beautifully. But no, but it's it's in every shot that he's in, you know, very well, lots of them. Um, they're all looking from below, looking up, and it's that powerful sort of. Except it doesn't convey physical power in him. You know, like it could be like a Superman shot. If you look at the shots in like Mad Men, they're all like that, and Don Draper looks like a fucking superhero. Mm. Um, it doesn't do that to Kane here, but nonetheless. We're always positioned below him, looking up like he's our he's our guy, but it was interesting. I thought it was interesting that that they're doing that, and yet physical command is not something that I get out of him in this, despite the fact that yeah, a, a kind of charismatic command you definitely do mm. um the I forgot how good the ending was i mean the ending is so it's iconic in british cinema it's something that's been parodied imitated I think the line um yeah hang on lads I've got a great idea' it's like it's always voted as one of the greatest yes. lines in british movies um and I forgot how tense it was like, the thing is <laughs> I remember reading an article a few years ago that was like some people had done a study saying could they have got out of this and how could they have survived it you know it's mm. the kind of thing like we want we want to litigate this scene and think mm. about it forty fifty years afterwards um and the moment that uh, you know the, the bus goes over the edge and they're all stuck there, I'm thinking, no, it's going to be very easy to get this gold back. And then it slides away. and going, oh, hmm. oh, I forgot that it did that. I forgot the gold slides away. And then I felt the pit in my stomach. And the shot f- looking from the front of the bus out the back, looking over the out hmm. and the, the bus is swinging. At proper, you know, like vertigo, you know? Hmm. Um, not like the film Vertigo. I mean, it gives you that feeling, that butterflies in the stomach thing. Actually, this is more tense than I remember. Hmm. You know? really worked for me so why you know is it not a great film
1: my problem is the the car chase though it's thrilling and funny and very memorable in some ways also it's not it's not great yeah the kind of there are things that really could have been cut off they could have been thought better Mm. you know uh could have been made even more thrilling you Mm. know um so I also thought that
0: Yeah, that's true. That's that is what it comes down to. That is what it comes down to. Oh, remember the the bit in Get Carter which we didn't speak about where he's being driven off by the girl. Mm. Um and that car drive just a drive is, is all about sex. Mm. He's looking at her driving and her legs and the mm. way she you know like that is that's great filmmaking. Mm. It's really expressive and here there's nothing that has that that kind of poetry or double meaning or you know.
1: No. Um also, I thought visually that it wasn't expressive enough. So, mm. you know, so obviously the camera was always in the right place and you saw the car and you saw the people, but you didn't feel that it was expressing anything more than that. You know, you didn't, felt, you didn't feel there was any poetry or any other meaning in a composition or a colour or, you know, kind of what great filmmakers add to the basics of just showing you the action, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't get any of that from this film.
0: I think the only thing I felt... Um, was was great in that respect was the, the opening actually where um, your man's driving the uh, Lamborghini Miura in the Alps and it's just the opening credits mm. and the song's going to, I can't remember the name of the song, Matt Monroe. Yes. Um, that is That is seductive. That expressive is. filmmaking, and that's the kind of filmmaking that makes you go, "Oh, I want this yes. car!" You know, I want to where be where the mafia here.
1: appear all in an order, right? Like an apparition. Yeah. Yes, I th- I, th- I that it had moments like that, but it wasn't consistent throughout. You no, know? no. Um,
0: Which I think maybe actually goes to what I was saying about those shots from below that are these—you sp- think would be these powerful hero shots, but don't have that. They—they're mm. doing it, but they don't convey it. Mm. Yeah. I also thought that
1: so. Even within the conventions of the time, for example, I thought, um, so, you know, the Benny Hill and the girls, you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, it's the time or whatever. But actually, the conceptualization of the girlfriend, I thought was just completely cringy, mm. right? Like, you know, bye, when she's saying bye at the airport, you know, it's like there wasn't a consistency of tone you think this is a stupid woman you know it's like <laughs> I, I really didn't like any of that yeah,
0: yeah. see uh, I, I like the joke of that bit because he's cringing away and just getting, get, get on the bloody plane but he's having to put up with this girlfriend who bye bye i love you you know the joke i liked but you're right it's not consistent with her character mm. who is smarter than this
1: yes i mean you know she's someone who was able to like steal a car pick him up in jail you know, and smooth over the Pakistani ambassador and wh- whoever else. I mean, you know, yeah. I kind of, anyway, I, I, that really made me cringe. So, so it's for all of those reasons that I think it's, you know, it's, 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 it's still hugely enjoyable. And I can mm. see why people, I understand why people enjoy it and why it's culty, right? Um, but it doesn't rank up there, you know, in a way that for me, Get Carter does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, but like I said, a great way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, it was completely absorbing. Yes, um, it huge was great enjoyable, fun. full of laughs, proper good jokes, um, and and no coward, <laughs> no coward, and you know, and there me- was there was
1: something about the inclusivity of the homosexual character. Yeah. You know that I thought was nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is kind it of wasn't... why I
0: brought him up because it wasn't a joke. There wasn't. There wasn't a joke about him being camp or gay or. I mean, there's maybe there's one point when they're in the um, that Sistine Chapel building, and um, they've all got their gloves on and he doesn't, and he's doing his nails. and he's yes. finding funny his nails. Like that's the one time where he's that is even slightly made a joke of. Well, no. I failed. mean,
1: I think even that to me wasn't really a joke. It's kind of part of who he was. the yeah. Same as he wears a pink suit. Right. But the other characters don't make fun of him. Yeah. Or don't mistreat him or don't condescend to him. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's yes. the
0: closest the film gets to doing a joke yeah. about that. So, and it?
1: that I quite liked and I find surprising for the period. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just two years after the law was
0: changed. Anyway, final thoughts? Good fun good fun, made me feel all sorts of weird things about my identity (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Who I am and where I come from and my relationship to my country and the continent that I apparently am no longer a part of and Hmm. all this stuff Um, and you know, maybe that is the mark of a great film that it makes me feel complicated, but it's not a great film, it's just a fun one.
1: Yes, I I thought it was much more fun than I remembered. I didn't obviously experience, I'm not British so I didn't experience any of those complicated things about identity that you uh, did but I think part of the reason why the film remains a cult in the UK is because it is kind of interpolating that sense of identity that uh, you know gives rise to those complicated contradictions that you experienced Yeah. so on
0: that note uh, thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.